I'm Brennan. And I'm Mark. And we're going to bring you Any Given Saturday CFB podcast, giving you updates with the Big Ten and Pac-12. I'm from Southern California. Uh, I moved up to Northern California, been a USC fan my whole life. All right. I'm from Nebraska, been a Husker fan since I was born. Um, I'll be bringing you Big Ten and a lot of updates on the Huskers and how we're doing this year, which would be a lot better if we actually had a team. So to kind of start it out, um, coming to you today on the 13th of October, just went down to Minnesota and boy, it was not fun. Uh, we lost 34 to seven. I think the biggest takeaway that I had from the game, man, was giving up 322 yards on the ground. So that's something that has plagued Nebraska for years and years and years is our front seven cannot stop the run. And that's been the case since we got rid of Frank Solich. Um, So losing to Minnesota and the other games we lost, obviously, was Ohio State and Colorado. What I can take away is, and what I want to ask you is an outside source, because before I get into my point of my scarlet covered glasses of seeing Nebraska from my point of view is, do you see from last year, uh, our four and eight season, with Scott Frost, and the year before that with Mike Riley going four and eight. Looking at our schedule, do you see us winning another football game? Because right now we're sitting at four and three. We have five games left. We have a bye weekend. Uh, We go, we have Indiana coming in. We go to Purdue, then we have a bye weekend, and then we got, I think, probably the toughest last three games you can have in the Big Ten with Wisconsin going to Maryland, and then having Iowa come into town. So I'd definitely say that Purdue is Purdue and Indiana are, are winnable. Um, I would even say Maryland can be winnable after watching them kind of go against a couple other people. Uh, but I think the best bet to get another win would be Indiana without a doubt. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, looking at the West, so we're, we're going to talk the West first, and then we're going to go to break down the East here in the, in the Big Ten. So – Minnesota and Wisconsin are tied as above the top. You got Wisconsin who's ranked, which with Georgia going down, I think Wisconsin's going to move up in the rankings. Minnesota, um, they're number twenty in the nation. Uh, I think after that decisive win, even though Nebraska is not Nebraska, uh, I think it still holds a little bit of weight. I think they're going to move up in the rankings, and then with Nebraska with our back half of the schedule. Purdue, Iowa, Illinois, and Northwestern, um, respectively, on how the the Big Ten West kind of matches up. So, Purdue, I think we can all agree, though, Purdue is a very tough team to play on the road. If you go to Purdue at night, ask Ohio State how that goes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. So, I mean, you ask, you you go into Purdue at night, which is what we're going to do. We're going to go into Purdue at night play it's a tough com- it's a tough place to play Iowa the reason that I don't see Iowa even making a chance at the top of the west they're 0-2 against ranked teams this year um, they played Penn State hard this last weekend they definitely played Penn State better than I thought that they were playing I thought Penn State was going to roll them they didn't they lost by seven so I mean they were there Penn State's going to move up in the rankings uh, we'll get into that here in a little bit but <clears throat> Illinois Northwestern dumpster fire. 
Northwestern, you would think that they would be up on the up and coming uh, with how they were going up and with last year where they started out 0-4 and then they ended up actually winning their division. They went and played uh, in, the, in the Big Ten Conference game against uh, Ohio State. You would think that Northwestern would, would be a lot better than they are, but I mean, they're 1-5. and five. Yeah, and they, they actually lost to arguably one of the worst Pac-12 teams in Stanford, which is actually on the rise kind of in a sense by beating Washington. But there was definitely a false positive with that game in Northwestern where people kind of were like, oh, man, you know, Northwestern was pretty solid last year, and Stanford came in there and beat them in pretty good defensive battle. But I think Northwestern is definitely on a, on a down year. Um, Illinois took a couple of uh, USC transfers. Uh, one of them is actually top five in the nation with sacks right now. Uh, he's been killing it on the D line. Uh, that was a team I thought was actually looking pretty, uh, pretty good in the start, and then they kind of have hit a rough patch. And I don't know if they're going to come up from that. Well, I mean, I mean the rough patches that Illinois has hit. I mean, you, you go back and you look at the Ohio State game. You know, I don't know. Illinois is there. Illinois is on the up and coming. But if we look at NFL coaches that come into the Big Ten, Big Ten football is not like normal football. So Big Ten football is smash mouth, up your face, you're going to run the football or you're not. Because you're talking about the Midwest in November and December. Yeah. Wind's going to blow. Weather's a factor. I mean, you, you can't throw the football. So with Lovey Smith, you know, I mean, he was great coach. Great coach, great dude. Um, but I, I just I don't see him succeeding in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see Illinois being a contender to win the Big Ten. I just see them being a huge speed bump for teams, and I. I think it's going to take another couple years, if that, if Lovey Smith even stays around. I don't. I don't think he will. I think he's going to be on the hot seat. Um, I don't think he's going to be on the hot seat. Like if he, if Lovey Smith had his career track or like his history of like at a school like Michigan or. Um, like a Notre Dame or a Nebraska or, yeah. you know, with some of these big-time programs. I mean, he's at a small-time program. You know, if you know anything about Illinois, you know that's that's a call – that's basketball. Yeah, that exactly. That is where Illinois makes their money. So and, and, and I think another reason why Lovey Smith's going to come on the hot seat is his recruiting is absolutely terrible. Yeah. It's, it's not Chip Kelly bad, I would say, but um, it's well, definitely – you got to give him a break, though, man. Like, Illinois – I don't know if I was a five-star recruit, which I wasn't, but <laughs> if I was a five-star recruit and I wanted to play at a big-time school, Illinois would not be on my top 20 list. Man. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Illinois would not Illinois be on top 20. Not. But what, what they pretty much did to save their class is they, they had enough scholarships where they used the transfer portal and took people from that, and that's how they kind of filled their class. Yeah. Um, but even as a small school like that, you still need to recruit, whether it be two, three-star dudes. I mean, look at – uh, smaller schools that are out there doing it, it's doing just fine. It's, mm-hmm. That's a school you're gonna have to actually coach your players up. You're not gonna have to rely on your talent. Yeah, and that that's kind of where Northwestern's running into because Northwestern's you know damn near. I mean, yes, it's a Big Ten school, but it's it's almost a private school, and they get a lot of recruits in in Northwestern that aren't good. I mean, they're three star, two stars coming out of high school, but um, you know they're doing a good job down there coaching them up, getting them ready, and. Um, Northwestern's been a problem. Um, no matter what Northwestern's record is, they always come into Nebraska to play them tough. Um, I think that's evident of 2016 when we went on a Hail Mary. Um, 
that comes up uh, this year where I think that was the most Big Ten football game I've ever seen aside from Iowa-Michigan, uh, a 13-10 to 10 win that, that we pulled off in the final seconds. Uh, so, I mean, Northwestern is – I don't know what's going on with Northwestern. You know, I don't even really have a comment on them. I don't want to sound <laughs> stupid because, I mean, I, I, I honestly – I think when we talked, you know, that, that time when we were out in an undisclosed location in the middle of fucking nowhere, what is uh, – Northwestern was kind of my sleeper to win the Big Ten West, uh, aside from Wisconsin, which who's not a sleeper. So talking about Wisconsin. Uh, so we, we've covered Northwestern, Illinois, um, Purdue, Purdue, and Nebraska. So we still – and we covered a little bit of Minnesota, so we'll come back to that. Yeah, I, if you want to cover Iowa, go ahead, but I, I'm not really a big fan of Iowa. <laughs> um, no, I'll get into them. But, so Wisconsin, Wisconsin is – I think Wisconsin is for real. So, if we remember two years ago, uh, 2017, Wisconsin was 12 and 0. They went into the Big Ten championship game against Ohio State. They lost uh, by a touchdown, I do believe, and then they went into the bowl game and lost. So they finished out the season 12 and 2. But I mean, they were they were in the hunt for the playoffs. Um, this year, I don't think they're in the hunt. I think as good as Ohio State looks, I think. If I had to put my money, if I was a betting man, I would put my money on Wisconsin to win the, win the Big Ten. Uh, their defense, they played six games. They have four shutouts. Four shutouts for a defense in the Big Ten is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and they've just looked dominant. You know, they've, allowed, yeah. they've yeah. allowed four touchdowns as a defense all year. So, I mean, that, that defense is, is ridiculously crazy. And, and that that's another school too that um, relies on coaching more than talent because a lot mm -hmm. of its a lot of its players are, are three stars and so they're not really the, you know those dudes that are high fours five stars coming in they're more coaching them up teaching them the ground and pound and just running it straight up your throat which is something that um, I think a lot of teams are kind of getting away from but Wisconsin has pretty much mastered it in showing that they. Don't care if you know that they're running it up the middle of the side. They're going to come straight at you, and they're going to beat you in the trenches. Yeah, yeah. Wisconsin is – I think if you look at a prototypical Big Ten team, you're going to look at Wisconsin to be your – kind of like your map of what you want to be. Um, and they've just done a great job down there in Wisconsin, coaching those players up and getting them ready to play. Um, yeah, I would say um, – I would say Wisconsin is my favorite to win the West. Uh, my favorite for the Big Ten still is Penn State because I picked them in the beginning, so I got to stick to my guns. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Wisconsin is definitely looking really good uh, on both sides. Yeah, uh, and they, that's they, what you need. They look good on both sides of the football. Um, that that defense is definitely something to be messed with. Um, I don't see anyone really taking down Wisconsin in the West. I mean, Minnesota might give them an issue, um, but I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due with with Minnesota. Uh, they're six and zero. They definitely gave it to my Huskers uh, on Saturday night. Um, so we'll be, we'll, we're moving on to going back to Minnesota now to to cover that. We got Wisconsin covered for the um, for the season so far. Yeah. So I mean, Minnesota. Uh, they're 6-0 they're on the season. They came into that Nebraska game um, with a lot of question marks because, I mean, they, they really didn't get tested all year. 
And they came into that Nebraska game, I feel like, with something to prove. And they proved it. They went into halftime 14-0 up on us. And watching the game, I can tell you, if I had any question marks coming out of that game for my Huskers going up against Minnesota was, can our front seven stop the rush? And Minnesota has a dual running back attack that literally destroyed our front seven. At it one actually point. three of them went in there and almost. Yeah, there, there was three of them. Um, but Smith and Brooks definitely were. Lighting it up. Yeah, they were. I mean, they, at one point, I think late in the third quarter, they were averaging over 11 yards a carry. I remember hearing that stat, and I remember – I, I think my wife walked out of the room because I threw shit across the room, man. I was so pissed. 11 yards of carry. And at the end of the day, we allowed up 322 yards on the ground. Only time we let more yards up this year was against Ohio State. And Nebraska's had a problem in the past. And it came evident in the Minnesota game of we have made average players look like fucking Heisman candidates, man. No one knows who Smith is. Literally nobody outside of myself. And if you're the one of the 10 people that live in the state of Minnesota, know who the fuck Smith is. And this dude just lit us up all fucking day. And another question I want to ask, please let us know if you know this. How many captains does Minnesota have? All right, because I watched the game. I don't know if you watched the game. But I, I didn't did. watch the game. I watched the game. And you know the little fucking C patch that yeah. the NFL has? I swear to God, of the 11 players that were on the field, 10 of them on Minnesota had that patch. I swear to God, dude. Maybe everyone's a captain. <laughs> I guess. If everyone is. Everyone's a leader. It's like, yeah, it's like the old saying. If everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. So, there's that. So, wow. Uh, I mean, all right. So, my prediction, I mean, covering – so, we're, we're trying to catch up. To kind of give you guys a little backstory here, trying to catch up. Um, me and Brennan had something going on. Over the first six weeks of the football season, we weren't able to sit down and record this podcast. Um, we've had a lot of conversations about college football. Um, and, you know, this is something that we wanted to do. We're kind of testing it out. Um, but we're kind of catching up. So to catch up in the West, uh, just kind of give you all a breakdown. The way I see it breaking down is, is Wisconsin's going to win the West. Uh, they're definitely going to Indianapolis. I think they're going to manhandle Minnesota. Because um, the fact of the matter is, is going back to that game, Minnesota-Nebraska. Nebraska had a backup quarterback in. We had we had Bedrill. He was a transfer from UCF. He played under Scott Frost in that national championship season at UCF. You can't tell me they didn't win a national championship. If you think otherwise, fight me. Um, Bedrill, I think the only redeeming quality for Bedrill against Martinez is, is he has no turnovers. Um at Nebraska. He, he played this one game. Uh, he has 14 of 23 for 135 yards, but he had no turnovers. He didn't have any interceptions. He didn't lose uh, He didn't lose a fumble. He didn't He didn't turn the ball over at all. Where on the flip side, Martinez lights it up. I mean, if you know college football, you know Adrian Martinez. You know Adrian Martinez is one of, like, kind of the question marks going into the season. He was one of the sleepers to win the Heisman. Um, and he has. I mean, he's a sophomore. Halfway through his sophomore season, he's the eighth leading – uh, passing yardage. He's number 11 on the rushing yards for total quarterbacks in Nebraska history. But through five games, because we'll take out the Minnesota game, 
he, he's turned the ball over nine times, five interceptions, and he's lost four, uh, lost four fumbles. And that's something that's plagued Nebraska through the first six games of the season is turnovers. And if you look at the games that we've lost, we've lost to Colorado, we've lost to Ohio State, and we've lost to Minnesota, that if we didn't turn the ball over against Colorado, we win that football game. Um, if we don't turn the ball over on the first drive against Ohio State, I think the game is a lot different. Because um, we, were, we, we received the football against Ohio State, Adrian Martinez rolls to the right, and he throws the ball behind J.D. Spielman, and it's picked off, and it's probably one of the ugliest throws I've ever seen Adrian Martinez throw. And at that point, Justin Fields just marched his team down the field, runs it in, and it just gets ugly from there. I mean, I I, I have a hard time saying that Nebraska would stick with Ohio I'm not, State. After, I'm not saying they would stick with them, but I don't think we'd be down 38 to nothing at halftime. That's, see, mean, that, you, you sound like me right now when I'm talking <laughs> about Sam Darnold coming in for Max Brown against mm-hmm. Alabama a couple years ago. Well, I don't know, man, because here's the thing, man. We were at home. It was a night game. That, that stadium was electric. I mean, just watching it on ABC, the cameras were shaking, and it was, it was an electric atmosphere, and Right out the gate, we had a miscue on the kickoff, and we got the ball at like the seven-yard line. And then Adrian Martinez rolls to the right, and he takes off and gets hit out of bounds and ends up being a penalty, and it puts us on the 22-yard line, 23-yard line or something like that. And then you could see that if we could get something going, that maybe we could catch Ohio State on their heels and maybe hit them in the jaw once or twice. I'm not saying we win the football game. But I'm saying we make it not a 41-point loss at home. I mean, I embarrass ourselves. Ohio State is one of the top 10 defenses for a reason because – I mean, Ohio State's good. I mean, I'm not not (laughs) going to deny Ohio State's not good, man. I'm not going to sit here and say Ohio State's bums, but I'm saying the game – You might have a closer game, but it's not going to be like a – If we have a closer game there. 28-21 to game, it's going to be still a I think if if we don't have – that that interception right out the gate and say we march the ball ball down the field maybe punt it at like the 40 yard line pin them down inside the 20 and then make it not so justin fields is running the ball from the 30 yard line three plays later he's in the end zone you know make it a little bit harder on them to where they actually feel like hey this is a team not to be messed with i mean if i watched that game and i turned it off after the third quarter, because it was just, it was brutal. And I hate to admit it, but it's just, it was ugly from the get go. They went up 14 to nothing. And then the one thing I really want to touch on is we were down 14 to nothing. And then all of a sudden we come out in the I formation. And if you're a Husker fan, and if you're listening to this, I, I promise you, you know something about the Huskers. Coming out in the I formation is. Man, it is amazing. So that is how we won our national championships. I formation, run the ball down the field, option. And we saw Adrian Martinez and Maurice Washington and J.D. Spielman and Wendell Robinson running that beautiful I formation. And it was amazing. And we marched the ball down the field. Ohio State didn't know what the fuck just hit them. And then the interception. The interception, I don't know if you saw this highlight, but Adrian rolls to the right. He runs off, a, off an RPO. And he fakes the ball to Maurice Washington, rolls to the right, throws it up over to trying to get it in between 
to J.D. Spielman in between two defenders. Ball gets tipped. An old boy falls on the ground. And the ball just falls in his lap, and he catches it. And that was his second interception of the game. And at that point, I remember I looked at my friend, and I was like, yo, that's it. That's it. That's the ball game. Like, you, if you get a break like that, it's over. But So let's go into Ohio State now because we've been talking about Nebraska-Ohio yeah. State. And like, let's start off with, with Justin Fields alone. It was a complete animal. I don't think any of us – Do you us... think he's better than Jake Fromm? Uh – that's kind of hard because it, it's a, it's, it you know, looks like Jake, a different kind of – that just lost to South Carolina. Yeah. That guy, is he better than him? It's a different kind of system. Do I think Justin Fields can throw, throw the ball? Yeah, I do. I, I, one thing uh, when I was kind of looking him up and uh, following him was the way he described him was he was a, a passer first and then a runner. And now mm-hmm. with Ohio State, you're kind of seeing him more on the run. And still killing it. See, that's that's where I'll kind of disagree with you, man. Because yes, Justin Fields, he's described as a pass first, run second. He's kind of like what Dwayne Haskins was for Ohio State, and that's why a lot of people didn't put Ohio State on the downside, which is smart because Ohio State has definitely come out and proven that they're one of the best teams in college football. But Justin Fields, he will tuck the ball and run, and he's effective on the run, but. If you've seen him pass, he is going to be a problem in the NFL. He is going to be what Kyler Murray is becoming. He's going to be what Cam Newton was before he went batshit crazy. Uh, I think Cam Newton would probably be a better description of him. Cam Newton. Because Cam uh, Newton's been in the league for a while. This is an NFL podcast. I'm not going to get into it. (laughs) But uh, fuck Cam Newton. All right. That dude's a bum. He's terrible. Anyway, Ohio State, as a football team, as a full football team, you know, and I've seen it firsthand. I saw them dismantle my beloved Huskers. They are going to be a problem in college football. Uh, oh, without a doubt. They are. They're up there. They're going to be taking. I I mean, if we kind of want to kind of take a sidetrack here to the top, the, the top four, which I was kind of saving until the last. We'll save, we'll save it to the last. Yeah, I'll save that to so, the last. So, anyway, so we'll go back to Justin Fields. Do I think he's better than Jake Fromm? I think yes. Okay, I agree uh, with you on that. I definitely think he's better. I think Georgia made a mistake giving Jake Fromm the nod over Justin Fields. Um, I mean, no doubt. I mean, no knock to Georgia. I mean, Georgia is a good football team, but I, I, I don't think you could really knock them for choosing Fromm because he had performed in big games for them. Yeah, and Fields sat the sideline. I think that they don't. I, I don't think they expected. Uh, Fields to transfer as soon as he did. No, I mean, and so they, that, I think that's what kind of happened. And by the time he was getting ready to transfer, they were like, "Well, we already have From. We can't really go back on this." And now they're just seeing what they could have had. But I mean, like I like we said, From is still a really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. So it's not he like is. a downplay. The one that really has been all over the place that came from Georgia is uh, Jacob Eason mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at Washington. He. He's definitely looked like he shouldn't have been on Georgia because he is not looking good in the Pac-12, which is no. not a – it's the bomb of the Power 5 right now. But anyways, we'll go back to <laughs> Ohio State. Ohio State, I think if – you know, you're picking Penn State to win the East. I'm picking Ohio State to win the East. Um, and the reason is, is Penn State struggled against an Iowa team. All right, and Iowa – no knock to Iowa. I kind of skipped over Iowa. Um but 
They struggled with Iowa, beat them by a touchdown. Ohio State, they haven't been challenged all year. So they, yeah. they have nothing but confidence going into the latter part of their season, going into the back six. Um, and plus, you know, they got some – they've already had one bye weekend. They got one more coming up. Um, I I just – I don't see Penn State beating Ohio State. I don't. Uh, if you see something different, please let me know. I think uh, – I think it would be a really good game. Um Ohio State is, like I said before, a top five defense now. Um, a lot of it gets credited towards the ta- live tackling they do in practice for seven to ten minutes against the ones and twos, mm-hmm. uh, even the walk-ons. Um, it, excuse me, gives them live tackling, which a lot of teams aren't doing nowadays, and they're relying on game day experience to kind of get the teams uh, rolling with the tackling. Um, so Ohio State is another team that's clicking on both sides and looking really really good so with ohio state man so ohio state plays penn state at home the weekend before they play michigan do you think that qualifies them as as penn state to be in a quote-unquote trap game because they're gonna be looking forward to that big michigan matchup uh no i think michigan's kind of on the uh, the back burner of a lot of teams in a sense now um i i, I think it's Coming down to Harbaugh's final seasons, um, and he hasn't beat Ohio State yet. No, he hasn't. But um, but I, I I don't see it. I don't see Penn State being a trap game. I just see it being either a shootout or a really strong defensive game because Penn State's defense is also pretty pretty good. It has been coming to over the last couple weeks. Um, but I I don't think Ohio State's gonna overlook Michigan by any sense. But I don't think that they're going to be as worried about Michigan as they are going to be about Penn State. Because, I mean, I don't know. I know how rivalry games go. Um, being, you know, being being a Husker fan, I, I've dealt with rivalries, uh, especially with Oklahoma. And it didn't matter how good Nebraska was or how bad Oklahoma was. That was always a rivalry game. And so what I see and the problem that I see, the only problem I see with Ohio State going forward um, in their season is they literally play Penn State right before their big rivalry game. One of the best college football games in college football is Ohio State-Michigan always. So I, think, I don't know. I, I, I don't I just, see Ohio State losing. Yeah, I don't see Ohio State losing. I, I don't see them losing to Penn State Ooh. because it's in the horseshoe. It's going to be a night game. Game day is going to be there. And we saw what Ohio State did last time. They were on game day this season um, on the road at Nebraska. And, you know, that's the last time I talked about that game. Fuck that game. <laughs> but, uh, I, 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 yeah, like, like we said, I, I don't think um, Michigan gets overlooked by any means because it is truly a hated rivalry. Like, it is. You, you don't, I'm not saying they're going to overlook Michigan. I, I'm, what I'm asking is do you think they're going to focus on Michigan so much? or be looking forward to that OSU-Michigan matchup that they're going to kind of lackadaisically prep for Penn State. And no, Penn I State don't. might catch them sleeping, especially with Justin Fields. I think, I think, like I said, it's either going to be a defensive game where it's going to be low scoring or it's going to be just an absolute shootout. Um, one or the other, it's not going to be one of those close – not what I would say close games. It's not going to be one of those uh, kind of one-side telling-all games, I don't think. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah. I, I think Penn State can win that game, but I don't think it'd be due to Ohio State overlooking them and focusing more on Michigan by any means. I mean, um, the, the other thing that, that – the only, the only thing that worries me about Ohio State moving forward is on paper, Justin Fields is a sophomore. Justin Fields is only going to start his seventh game as a starter. So, I mean, yes, he's a sophomore, but in actual playtime, he's a freshman. You know what I mean? This is yeah. the first season starting it, and so I I think uh, I think with with that, you, you, I think that's why Penn State will definitely be a, a big game for them because it'll be Justin Fields is pretty much first. Uh, I don't know how you would say it. First game experience with a a big ranked team. Yeah. Um, it, so it's going to be a big matchup. So uh, with that, we'll go on. We'll go on to Penn State a little bit. Um, this is my pick to win the Big Ten outright. Um, it's not uh, Mark's pick, but Mark's pick. But uh, I think they they look pretty sluggish in the beginning of the season. But I think at the last couple of games they've been looking pretty good. I think the only sluggish thing I saw from Penn State was when they played Pittsburgh. Yeah, when they played Pittsburgh. Uh, is it Pittsburgh? Yeah, yeah Pitt. Yeah, Pitt. Pitt. Um, Sorry, I was watching Pittsburgh and L.A. play earlier. Just sounded weird. Anyway, uh, when they played Pittsburgh, uh, they definitely got caught sleeping, I definitely think. I don't think that was a testament to the the validity of Penn State being a national contender. I think that was just them. They caught slipping. Uh, Penn State is a really good football team. They proved it on the road against Iowa at night. I don't know if that's a testament to Penn State and how good that football team is, or if that's a testament to Iowa being a pretender like they have been the last however many fucking years under that douchebag that coaches out there. I'm not even going to say his fucking name. Um, I don't know if I don't know which one it is, but like I said, I have worries about Penn State. Um, I think they're going to lose to Ohio State, and they're not even going to have a shot. I think Penn State plays in the Rose Bowl. Um, I think if I was going to pick a number two, a runner-up, I wouldn't pick Wisconsin. I'd pick Penn State. Uh, Penn State is just a complete football team on both sides. Um, and I think that's where it's kind of going to be uh, hard to pick between the two because, I mean, arguably they're both pretty complete on both sides. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, yeah, I think I think Penn State's a really strong contender. I think Ohio State is definitely a, a strong contender, and I think it's going to be an exciting year for the Big Ten East. Um, so now we'll go on to Michigan. Uh, I've had some pretty, uh, I wouldn't say strong feelings, but I definitely don't feel like Harbaugh has been uh, fulfilling what was expected of him at Michigan, especially by not beating the biggest rival that you have uh, since you've been there in Ohio State. Uh, And I think uh, Michigan's kind of looked uh, hot and cold at times. Uh, Hot and cold? I think they've looked cold, man. Michigan, no. Michigan got blown out by Wisconsin. Blown out. Embarrassed. See, in their they, own house. They got blown out. Michigan, I'm sorry. I don't care what you say. I don't care what stats you bring up or what you want to talk about about how Michigan did this, Michigan did that. No. Michigan, the bums. All right? They don't even own the state of Michigan in my terms. Absolutely not. They're going to lose to Michigan State this season. Mark my words. Write it down. Take it to the bank. I don't give a fuck. Michigan is not a good football team. I, so I don't got exposed. I, 
I wouldn't say Michigan's not a good football team. I think they're a good football team. They just aren't. It's either either they're not being coached to win the games, or they're just not uh, pre- preparing themselves to win. Um, per okay, perfect example. Michigan was up twenty-eight to three on Illinois. Twenty-eight to three. At one point, that game was twenty-eight to five. Twenty-eight to twenty-five. Illinois. Illa fucking noy made a comeback on Michigan, dude. And then I, I think the, they the, pulled away at the end. I'll give them credit. 42-25 was final on that one uh, this last week. But Michigan, <coughs> under Jim Harbaugh, was supposed to be this great team, and it's just it, it definitely has not been this great team. No, they they were supposed to they were supposed to be Ohio State. Yeah, like what Ohio State is now under Ryan Day, which. Who the fuck is Ryan Day? All right, if if he didn't coach under Urban Meyer, I don't think he coaches at all. The dude coached up in I think I'd have to look it he up. Was, he was an assistant. New Hampshire is where he fucking got his start out as a coach. I believe he was an assistant in the NFL too. Yeah, yeah, he did coach in the NFL a little bit, but but yeah, I, I don't think he takes over that Ohio State job no, unless Urban Meyer bless us off absolutely on it. Not. Um, which we're here here once we get over to your side over the Pac-12. I'm, or talk about Urban Meyer a little bit, but I think Michigan uh, bums, fucking bums. I think the game that kind of showcased how bad Michigan could be this year was when they played Army, and they almost lost. <laughs> that was a game they, they should have lost. That yeah, was a game they should have lost. They lost to Wisconsin. They almost lost to Illinois, but they pulled away at the end. I but mean, then I you could go on and on. You can't. But then you can. So then I think. What kind of uh, didn't seal my fate on them being not the not a good team, but was uh, I think it was last year, the year before when Army played Oklahoma, and same exact thing, double overtime, and Oklahoma pulled away and won. What did Oklahoma do in the playoffs that year? Exactly. So what I'm saying is is Michigan, not good, and the Army thing, I. I they lost credit to Army. Army. They is, lost to Toledo. I think yeah, last yeah. week or the week before, it wasn't too good. But I mean, you, if you, you can stop a triple option, you can stop a triple option. So, I mean, when I, when I'm talking about owning the state of Michigan, and this is the reason I say it, Michigan faced a good defense against Wisconsin and got blown out. Yeah, they're going up against Michigan State. Michigan State has the best defense in the Big Ten, in my opinion, and stats back it up. They have the number one defense in the Big Ten. They or just lights out against one of the most electric teams in college football I've seen, aside from Ohio State or Clemson or nah, fucking those dudes down there in the, the bitch-ass SEC. Michigan State went up against Arizona State and held them to 13 points. So did they end up losing the game? Yes, they did. But so I, I don't think that's a, a Michigan State thing. I think it's more of a Harm Edwards. We'll go into this when we get into Pac-12. But I think it's more of a Harm Edwards NFL type playing, so no, we'll go. We'll go on with goes, Michigan State. That goes into Michigan State's defense is absolutely great. It's one of the best defenses I've seen, and I think Michigan State's record doesn't reflect how good of a football team that is. And it comes down I can to agree quarterback, with that. quarterback play. Their quarterback is absolutely terrible. And when you're talking about Michigan State football, I think they're going to beat Michigan based on that defense, offensively. As somebody who pays attention to the Big Ten, I can't name you one offensive player on Michigan State. I can't. I can't even tell you the quarterback, bro. But what I can tell you is that defense is lights out. 
So it'd be more like a run. more like a Cal situation than like in the Pac-12. Yeah. All right. So Michigan State, I think, beats Michigan, knocks them out of the East, and now we're talking about that game on November twenty-third between Ohio State and Penn State. That's going to settle the Big Ten East, and ultimately, I think it's going to settle the Big Ten because, you know, moving forward, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, garbage, trash, absolutely trash. Indiana, trash. Maryland started out hot. Maryland started out really high. Yeah, people thought that was going to be a, yeah. That people thought that was going to be a really good team, especially yeah. when they when they dominated. I can't remember who they dominated this year, but they they yeah. blew them out. I think it was Syracuse they dominated. They blew yeah, them out was, the water. Yeah, terrible. But then I mean, then they start coming into the Big Ten. And it hasn't looked like, too like good I said way. at the beginning. You're gonna play in the Big Ten. You can be flashy like Ohio State, but you have to be flashy. You have to have talent. But if you're going to consistently compete in the Big Ten, you have to be like a Wisconsin or like a Penn State or a Michigan State. You have to be able to stop the run defensively. Because if you try and throw the football in the Midwest in November and December, you're going to get blown down. And that's why Ohio State has had Dwayne Haskins. They've had um, Zeke Elliott. They've had these people that can run the football amazingly. So Rutgers, dumpster fire. Rutgers, Rutgers is to burn the school down, start over. I mean, yes, it's the birthplace of college football. I'll give you that, Rutgers fans. But it's, I saw, it's Rutgers. They're, they're terrible. So Rutgers is, uh, is literally only in the Big Ten because of Greg Schiano. Okay. He was the coach of them when they when they were winning games. They were winning games. And so he, he got them to, to get were on they, the map. Where were they? Were they Conference USA or were they in the ACC? Uh, I don't think they were in a big conference. Or were they independent? I don't think they were independent, but I don't think they, they might have been Conference USA. But anyway, so he was winning games, and he got them on the map. Um. Goes to Ohio State to work with Urban Meyer, mm-hmm. becomes a defensive coordinator. Then Tennessee, well now now we're getting sidetracked, but Tennessee <laughs> it's all good. needs a, needs a head coach a couple years ago, and who do they go after? Greg Schiano. I'm probably yeah. messing up his name, but I apologize. But anyways, they go after him, and they pretty much are about to announce that he's about to be hired. And this is why I feel no sympathy for Tennessee fans. Pretty much are about the Nazis getting hired. They pretty much get working out the contract and everything like that. Next thing you know, all these Tennessee boosters and fans are saying, uh, we don't want him. We want nothing to do with him. Because he was at Penn State during the whole uh, Chomo thing. Mm-hmm. Or not, I wouldn't say child, but during the player scandal and all that stuff. And someone had rumored that he knew about the uh what was going on but when they came to getting evidence and gathering evidence to uh pretty much see what was going on there was no facts behind it he had no idea what was going on and no one could prove it and so tennessee fans just went off this rumor and absolutely destroyed this man's life um i know there's been kind of talks here or there uh, on the rumor mill about Shiano going back to records and records needs Shiano because he was the last coach to have him winning games again but I think Rutgers was uh, just got got awful I don't know how else you would explain it Um, so I I, I don't know Shiano actually might I I, I can't remember his, his history I know he was at Penn State I know he was at Rutgers um 
I'm pretty sure he was at Ohio State too. Well, so if I'm wrong, you know, don't come back uh, backlashing <laughs> us. But well, Rutgers. All right. So the bottom half of the East. You know, you talk Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers. I think kind of compares to the bottom of the SEC. And this is something that me and Brendan have agreed with for the entirety of how we've taught college football is the SEC garbage. Talking about the bottom part of the East is just like the SEC garbage, absolute trash. Um, I throw it away, start over again. I think even Michigan State throw it in there because Michigan State good defense. They start. You want to put them up against teams like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio State, or Penn State. They're going to get blown out. Um, so, kind of predictions here. Let's go into it. So on the West, so my Big Ten championship game that I predict is going to be Wisconsin, Ohio State. I think Ohio State comes victorious out of that game. I don't think they even make it a football game. I think people are leaving Indianapolis um, by the end of the third quarter because Ohio State's up by three touchdowns. And Ohio State represents the Big Ten in the, in the college football playoff. That's All right, so going into next next week, week eight here in the Big Ten. This is our week eight predictions. Yep. So we got Ohio State and Northwestern. Um, yeah, we're going to go Ohio State on that one. They got a Friday night game, FS1. Ohio State's covered by 27.5. Um, I'm going to take Ohio State outright, but what I'm going to ask you is, does Northwestern cover? The spread? <laughs> 27 and a half points. Uh, I think that's a huge spread. Um, I think Ohio State's been blowing people out of the water, so it's hard not to kind of understand that spread. And, I mean, people in Vegas are always got this witchcraft on how they get the freaking numbers. But i definitely going to pick Ohio State to win. Um, the only thing I could see happening is – It's at Northwestern. Maybe Northwestern only loses by 14 points or something like that. I, I don't I – think, I think they cover. All right. Moving on, so we got Wisconsin, and they're going into Illinois. Uh, the cover, the spread is 29.5, Wisconsin. I don't think that the score would be that high. I think, think Wisconsin, so? I, know, I think Wisconsin wins outright, yes, without doubt. I don't think the score is that high, though. I mean, 29.5, ESPN has 97% <laughs> Wisconsin. I think... I think Taylor runs on them. I, I definitely think they cover. I think that they put up so forty points. I think Illinois might get a touchdown, but so like like I, I think st- they cover. Like I said before, Illinois had picked up a couple of USC transfers in the portal, and one of them being so they're trash. Uh, no, they've actually been lining it up. Uh, <laughs> the defensive lineman though that I was talking about, Fatiku, he is I believe number four in the nation in sacks. So yes, Wisconsin will probably beat the living crap out of Illinois. But I think that the Illinois D line might give them a might be able to stop the bleeding a little bit. Okay. All right. Yeah. Wisconsin covers. Wisconsin's gonna win. All right. So Purdue goes into Iowa. They go into Kinnick Stadium. I got Iowa. Uh, yeah. Iowa's favored by sixteen and a half. I think Iowa covers very handily. I think this game's over by halftime. To be honest with you. All right, Minnesota Rutgers. Uh, Minnesota goes to Rutgers. Minnesota's covered or favored by twenty-eight point five. Call me biased. Minnesota covers and they cover big. I I don't see Minnesota getting that many points. Uh, all right. Obviously, you didn't watch them beat the living crap out of Nebraska. <laughs> all right. I think In- Minnesota wins. So right, Indiana, Maryland. This is a flip coin. There's no spread on this one. 
Oh, so this what's... is a 50-50 game, and it's in Maryland. I got Indiana. All right, I'm, I'm gonna take Maryland just for for fuck's sake, but I I, I think Maryland beats them. I, I don't think it's a blowout. I, I think it's gonna be a close game. It's gonna come down to who wins the turnover battle, who wins the penalty battle at that point. Just like any other given Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I think Maryland. Uh, I think Maryland pulls it out. I, I think they've had a tough stretch, but. And right. then this is the last yep. game right here. Big game. <laughs> Big game here. Michigan goes into Penn State. It's a seven and a half Penn State favorite. College game day is going to be there. Uh, it's going to be a big game, night game, ABC. What do you got? I got Penn State, and I have them winning. Winning has been a long night. Winning by twenty-seven or more points. Twenty-seven. Okay. I, you know, this. I've actually thought about this game uh, when College Game Day announced it. Penn State. At home, you know it's going to be a wideout, 110,000 exactly. screaming fans. Michigan, their one loss was to Wisconsin. They got blown out. Guess where they were at? They were in Wisconsin on the road. I'm taking Michigan. I, I think Michigan's going to pull it out, knock Penn State out. But how are you going to take Michigan? You just talk about how they're a crabby team. So the reason is, is I think Michigan, if Jim Harbaugh loses this football game, I – I think if he loses this game by the spread, which is seven and a half to Penn State, I think Jim Harbaugh does not see next season. And I think Jim Harbaugh knows that. And I think he's going to game plan. He's going to be ready to go. College game day, Saturday night football. I think Michigan's going to be ready. I'm taking Michigan to win in overtime. No. And I think Penn State drops one. And. I think I think if Jim Harbaugh really cared about his job, he would have been winning seasons ago. There, the the other reason I'm taking I'm taking them is Penn State just came off a very physical game against Iowa, where they won seventeen to twelve on the road. They're coming back home. They see the struggles of Michigan, and so they might take a lackadaisical approach, and then kind of a trap game going up against Michigan State on the road. Against that defense that we just talked about, I don't know. I'm taking Michigan. I might eat my words. We You're going to eat your words. I think we'll come back next week, and you're just going to be doing your little funny laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, I'm taking it. I'm going for it. And I want to stick by my guns on that one. Michigan State – or Michigan steals one on the road at Penn State. But I'm still taking – that Penn State is going to come into that Ohio State game trying to beat them to win the East, but they're not going to. Uh, I think Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten. So before we transfer over to the Pac-12, um, just kind of a little bit of news. You guys have probably heard this by now, but uh, Marquise Black from Georgia just committed to Nebraska. Big, big linebacker that we just got out of there. Which, if you watch that Minnesota game, we desperately fucking need, man. We need linebackers like nothing else. Um, so, hopefully that will help us out there. Our recruiting is looking good. We're 28th nationally. We got uh, three four-stars coming in. So, hopefully Scott can get that going up. Uh, and before we transfer to the big Pac-12, I just want to say go Big Red. Uh, no matter what, I'm always a Husker fan. And now I'll kind of turn it over to you. Let's go into the Pac-12. All right, so for the uh, the Pac-12, um, it's definitely the bottom of the Power Five, um, but there's teams within this 
conference that are actually pretty pretty damn good. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm not, you got me interested. <laughs> so we, we got Oregon. Um, first yeah. game of the season, they were, they were going against Auburn. Uh, pretty uh, tough game. Uh, there were the, about a couple of starters, though. Um, but I think since that game, they just looked absolutely dominant. Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert, he came out. He's, I think, aside from Tua Tagliova and Trevor Lawrence, I think he is hailed as, like, the number one college football quarterback. It, and He's so I, good. I, I, don't, I don't buy into his hype fully um, just because I don't think he's, like, super great. I think he is a great quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. But his home and away splits are are so weird for, yeah, yeah, absolutely, no, no weird reason. Um, but I think we're Justin Herbert. So, I think if you put an average quarterback behind a good offensive line, and you give them weapons to run with, you're gonna look elite. Look at Tom Brady in the NFL. Yeah, Tom Brady has played behind the best offensive line in football. His entire career, and he's hailed as the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. But I mean, Tom Brady's actually pretty good. So we're, I mean, we're, he we're, is. We're good. not going to go into NFL because otherwise we'll be talking for hours. I mean, he's good, but Justin Herbert, I don't, I, I buy into it. I think he's an NFL prospect. I think he is going to be great at that next level. And I don't know. Coming out of the north. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm taking Oregon. I'm taking Oregon all so, day because they're one losses to an Auburn team who looks strong and and uh, so I mean for the North, I'm, I'm I start off with Washington because they should have been a lot better than what they've been so far. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna pick Oregon. So now we're going to Stanford. Uh, Stanford is a team that when they beat Northwestern after Northwestern's last year, we thought, all right, Stanford's coming out looking for real. Um, but then they come in, get absolutely mollywalled by USC, and then mollywalled by UCF. Um, yeah. When has Stanford looked good since Christian McCaffrey left, though? Th- so this is this is where Stanford's downfall is, and, and David Shaw is, is a great coach. Um, but David Shaw's a very stubborn man, uh, as a lot of people saw with the, the USC game when they mm-hmm. kept staying in man and just getting absolutely beat. Uh, they've been battling QB injuries. Uh, they start off with Costello, then Mills, and they. The last game they played, they went into the third string QB against Washington and won. Um, so Stanford's kind of all over the place. Uh, Stanford's defense, though, has arguably one of the best DBs, uh, I would say, in the Pac-12 and even nation. He's definitely going to be a uh, a top NFL prospect at the secondary. Um. But I, I just – I don't see Stanford having a chance to win. See, but the, the problem North. the problem with Stanford is the same problem that we talked about with Northwestern. It's a very high academic school. And so they're not getting the top recruits, you know, because a la Cardell Jones, why am I going to Ohio State? I'm not going to Ohio State to play class. I'm going there to play football. I, I would argue that because uh, Stanford has high recruits within their, their – key positions but they're they're not picking up the those key offensive linemen and stuff like that and yeah they are an academic college yeah it's, it's an academic school 
I think aside from Christian McCaffrey, you know, they're not going to get the big recruits that are going to produce at the next level. So, and, you know, the other problem for Stanford this it. year is the the running game has been pretty much um, non-existent. It's been pretty, yeah. been actually pretty bad. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. It, Stanford's not there. Stanford's not where they were when. You know, they were competing with the Notre Dames and the USC's, you know, when USC was lights out, you know. And it's been a long time, but. <laughs> it's, yeah, we're, so we're, now, we're we'll in go, the same boat, buddy. Yeah. So now we'll go into Washington. Um, I would say with the Pac-12, for sure, that they have some of the, the best coaches in the nation. Um, and Chris Peterson is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the problem with them is they – are kind of in a rebuilding stage due to all the people they've lost. Um, Jacob Easton has looked good at times, and in other times he's looked just absolutely, like, I would say average. Um, against USC, I think he only had like 100-something passing yards, which was pretty bad against a secondary that's pretty much freshmen and sophomores. And before the season started, I think they had seven starts combined with all those positions. Yeah, well, Washington, nah, I don't see them competing. I think the the the, the ranking they had was uh, short lived. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they'll be there. You know, we kind of touched on on Jacob Eason uh, coming over from Georgia, and you know that he just he hasn't panned out to what people thought he was going to over in Washington. Because there are some people that picked Washington to win the Pac-12. And I think a lot of that comes down to. Um, the offensive uh, scheme, because uh, Easton does have an amazing arm, but Washington seems to be going back to the um, the Jake Browning times where he didn't have a great arm, so they had to do all of these different shorter passes and not allow Easton to show off his arm. Um, and then even the running back, Ahmed, has looked uh, good. Uh, defense, of course, under uh, under the coordinator has looked pretty Pretty good this year. Uh, been hit or miss, but mm-hmm. going with different schemes. Uh, now we got Oregon State. Bums. Boy, Ooh. I'll tell you what. Let me Before you get into Oregon State, let me tell you something about those fucking beavers. If you go look at Oregon State's roster, there's like five to eight transfers from the University of Nebraska. When Mike Riley got fired, and them fuckers wanted to go to Oregon State for some reason, and including uh, – Fuck, what was his name? That quarterback. Uh, I'll, I'll get you the name. Let me look it up. I, I can't remember his name. So they, they, That's Oregon, how quickly I forgot that douchebag. Oregon State is, is a, it's Oregon State. It's never going to be <laughs> anything different. Um, but one thing that is absolutely surprising is Isaiah Hodgins has been absolutely lighting it up this year. Um, a lot of people are arguing that he is the top Pac-12 receiver over LaVisca Chenault. Um and it's it's a definitely a fair argument um, in different areas, but he is top six in receiving in the nation right now, um, and that, that's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> uh, Oregon State beat a UCLA team that is just absolutely terrible this year, um, and we'll get into UCLA in a little bit. But Oregon State doesn't look terrible, but they're just Oregon State. I don't know how else to yeah. pit that. Tristan Gebbia is his name, that, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> There's probably all five people who are listening to this said, who? Exactly. So, uh, 
Now we're going to Washington State uh, with my favorite coach in the Pac-12, God, that was Mike, Mike Leach. <laughs> Mike Leach, man, he, that is awesome. He is an absolute character. Um, I recommend if you get time to go on YouTube and kind of look up some of this stuff because he is absolutely hilarious. Uh, obviously, you know, Washington State does Washington State, and the QB is leading the nation in passing because it's the air raid, and Mike Leach is the god of it. Um, receivers are actually looking pretty good this year. Uh, but the defense is not uh, as to that UCLA loss where UCLA Oof. came back and that beat was them. a hell of a game. That man. was 67, 63. That was a game. And he, you know who was in the, the the crowd for that game? Minshew. Fucking yeah, Minshew. I saw yeah, yeah, I saw dude, that. He was fucking loving it in his jorts. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think fucking jorts, man. I think. After the season Washington State had last year, a lot of people expected them to come in and kind of be underdogs to win the North, but uh, they just have not been clicking on both sides. Some games they look good, like against Texas Tech and mm-hmm. their smaller opponents, but once they got into conference play, it just has not looked too well. Um, all right, so let me let me do this one. All right, let me uh, please. All right, so kind of a little bit more background. I lived in Nebraska up until I was 15 years old, and then I moved to Arizona. All right, so when I moved to Arizona, kind of started paying attention to Arizona State football, and Herm Edwards has been a godsend to ASU, along with quarterback Daniels. ASU, we're going to talk predictions right now. ASU beats Utah this weekend, and they win the South. ASU, my dark horse to win the Pac-12, their one loss – it's a one-loss team, nationally ranked. I, I, I'm sorry, ASU is a good football team. That, that quarterback, Daniels, he's a true freshman. Kid's 18 years old, lighten it up, lighten up the Pac-12. He's going behind a bad offensive line. Who has improved, and that's why he's looking better. But the first few games, yes, it was absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. It was a, it, I would say it was a hazard for him to be back there. Absolutely. Um, but so with uh, well, since you skipped USC, we'll go to ASC. We'll finish at ASU. Yeah, we'll so then, we'll, we'll we'll finish on USC because that's your team. We'll we'll finish so, on USC. And so I, with, I have some things. So with, with Herm Edwards, uh, I was a huge skeptic of when he came in because I just don't think NFL coaches can recruit to the level that college coaches can because they're mm-hmm. they already have their players. There's no need to retain them or and stuff like that. But he has proven that the NFL mindset. And the NFL techniques will win games. You don't have to have the, the highest-rated players. You just have to keep games close. And that's what Herm Edwards does. And he does it phenomenally. Um, yeah, he, he'll he be able to take a game and keep it close until the fourth quarter. And then it's the old football adage. Win the fourth quarter, you win games. And... I think something that gets overlooked with Arizona State is the defense. The defense, de- the defense is really is good. Is overlooked because everyone's looking at the quarterback. Everyone's looking at Benjamin. Yeah. Everyone's looking at you know the the tandem of Daniels and Benjamin at, in that backfield, and then all of a sudden, you know you're looking at this game and look at Michigan State when they played Michigan State, and it was thirteen to thirteen going into the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden, you're you're not playing a full football game at that point. You're playing 15 minutes to win the football game. Give everything you got. Win the fourth quarter, you win the football game. And that's why I think Arizona State is the most complete team in the South. 
I would argue that 100%. Um, I think Arizona State is a huge contender. Uh, but I think, yet again, another USC transfer that's at Arizona State, that's the starting corner, has been doing pretty well. Um, but, yeah, we, we talked about Edwards. We talked about Dan's. But we haven't even talked about, uh, you know, Benjamin at all, who has a star running back. And has been putting it together. Um, I think ASU is definitely a strong contender to win the South. But I think ASU and Utah will be a, an absolute phenomenal game to watch because both coaches are all about playing the clock mm-hmm. and winning to their style. Um, so with that, we'll go into Utah. Uh, Coach Whittingham has actually uh, been doing pretty good this season. Uh, Huntley has actually been lights out almost. And then you got Zach Moss, who I believe is in the top five for most, if not the top, for most yards after contact because he cannot be brought down worth the damn. See, and, and I'm going to call you out on this, man. I think the only reason you're high on Utah is because USC beat them. I no. think that's the only reason because Utah, good football team. I'll give them that. The only time their defenses looked good is against Idaho fucking state. That's the only time their defenses looked lights out and looked like it's a, a contending team. And, and you look at the two teams in the South, because if you go through the South, you see that there's it's a two-team race, ASU yes. and Utah. And Utah looked good. They have a good offense. ASU is proven defensively against a Big Ten team. They've proven that they can play defense. They can play in a defensive battle. That's why I'm taking ASU over Utah. Utah is a good football team. Their quarterback is lights out. Moss, he's all right. He looks good. He, he's, you know, he's running he's up numbers. Great. I wouldn't say great. He's good. Watch him play. Your notes say good. All right. You <laughs> <laughs> know, he's he looks good. He's 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 running up numbers. But I think if if you look at proven track record, um, I don't know. I mean, they. 37 to 16 against North Dakota. I, I I don't see it. I don't see Utah. The only thing Utah has over ASU is that their head-to-head matchup, because I think they're going to have an identical record. If they didn't play each other, they have an identical record going into the Pac-12 championship is that Utah plays at home. That's I think that's the big advantage there. And But wait for it. I give ASU the edge. Wait for it. Any given Saturday, anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what's going to take for Utah to beat ASU. And I, I just looked at the ESPN. I, ESPN has only given ASU a nineteen percent chance to win that game. I tell you, you're not. I'm giving you, them more. I'm giving them more. I'm I sorry. think ASU is a is a great team. Don't get me wrong. And I think Utah is a great team. But I just think Utah is going to come in there, and they're going to dictate the best of their ability. Because like I said, Herm Edwards is a phenomenal coach, especially at this college level. And try to dictate to what the works for them. Because I'm telling you, you watch Moss run. You, you, if you don't have a whole defensive line on him, you ain't bringing him down. That's what ASU does. I mean, ASU stopped a Michigan State run team because their quarterback plays. But terrible. what did you say before? You couldn't even you couldn't name a single person on the Michigan State team on like, offense. I mean, no, you can't. I, exactly. I can't. Exactly. But I will. I will give. I give ASU the edge in that. I'm sorry. I do. Hey, you call me biased. Call me, you know, that I am an ASU fan, that I'm giving them the, the edge. But 
I mean, we'll see. We'll see when we record our second episode where we stand on that because that's – I mean, we'll get into that because that's coming up on the prediction side. So to go with the two. All right, so now we'll go into Arizona. Uh, Arizona is a team that looked – like it was pretty rocky, uh, especially with defense against Hawaii the first game of the year in week zero. Um, <laughs> but I think – Arizona is a is up and coming, and they are a pretty strong contender for the South. Their defense has been coming together. Uh, I don't know what they've been doing, but they, oh, excuse me, have been actually playing defense and looking pretty good. Um, I think Arizona is definitely a huge sleeper in the South. Um, mm, I wouldn't say sleeper, man. I I would not. I think the South is so. Mediocre and just I, I want to bring it back to something. What did you say about Washington football? What I mean, what was what was your notes on Washington? Just like what you had said about Washington. I mean, I can refresh you saying that I mean they're a good team, but they're hit or miss. And they it's, are. they're not a contender, they're terrible, right? Basically is what, I, what you got down to. I and fifty one to twenty seven. Arizona lost to Washington fifty one to twenty seven. Arizona's four and two. All right. Now, if there is a team I hate more than Iowa in college football, it's the U of fucking A Wildcats. I hate the Wildcats. I, I just absolutely despise them. This so I'm kind of biased. I will put that out there. But <laughs> Arizona is not a contender. I think they get beat by USC. I think they get beat by fuck Colorado. I don't even know if they've played yet, but because that's how little I pay attention to U of A football. I think Arizona in the South. Is so up in arms right now because USC beat Utah and USC is a team that can be beat by anybody because it's undercoached. Uh, that Arizona has a legitimate chance at winning the South because the South is so the Pac-12 as a whole is so bad right now. Okay, but with the Pac-12 being that bad, right? If Utah beats USC, because at that time USC or Utah, correct me if I'm wrong, was ranked like tenth in the nation. They ranked number ten, yeah. Yeah. U.S. If they beat USC and say they beat them by a touchdown or two, is Utah in the playoff picture? I don't think Utah's in the playoff picture. I don't think that they have the complete team to go against the other three top teams. Okay. I think the the team that has the best chance, based upon coaching this year, is Oregon. Based upon talent, one hundred percent be USC. See, here's this is where I disagree with you. You're saying that if you're going to talk about a team to come out of the Pac-12 to, to, to compete in the college football playoff, which we'll get into at the very end of this podcast, but I just want to ask this question while we're on it. Are you going off the talent of Oregon? Take Justin Herbert out of the picture. No, no, I'm not going off talent. I'm going off coaching. Okay, so you're going off they coaching. They have looked. You're going off of just complete teams. They have the best offensive line. are you giving Oregon a bias because of their name and who the fuck no. they are? Because if you ask me who's a more complete team, Utah or Oregon, I'm going to put Utah up there. Yes, Oregon's lone losses to Auburn. Utah's lone losses to USC. Where was that USC-Oregon or USC-Utah game at? It was in the Coliseum. It, it was, was in uh, USC. It was Yeah, it was at the Coliseum. But the reason why I'm picking Oregon is because they have the talent on the team, mm-hmm. one, which Utah does not have all the talent. They are coached. They are a hell of a coach team. 
Oregon's a good coach team too. I just think Oregon has a better trench battle than Utah. Okay. Because Utah's so, trench battle looked other than so the D line for Utah is one hundred percent probably the best D line right in front of I would probably say Oregon slash USC. But, but the, the offensive line for Oregon, I'm not trying to cut you off. No, the offensive good. line is probably the best in the Pac-12. Okay, but Oregon. All right, let me tie it into the next one we're going to go into, actually. So, out of the three quarterbacks that I'm about to bring up, who's better? So, you got Huntley in Utah. You got Herbert out in Oregon. But here's one that I don't think a lot of people talk about is Montez out in Colorado. If anybody has paid attention to Colorado football, and I have, because Colorado-Nebraska is a big rivalry, and that is a game that me as a Husker fan, I want to see Colorado get mollywhopped every time they take a step on the field. Montez is a damn good quarterback. So you're coming to see who Mont- is Who is better? I think I would say it's – I would say that Utah's quarterback is in, I would say is the fourth, fifth best quarterback in the Pac-12. Call me crazy. So, I don't think Montez is the best quarterback out of those three. I don't think he's the best, but I think he's better than Utah's quarterback. And the reason that I brought in Oregon's quarterback is just kind of for a frame of reference. Is Justin Herbert is definitely the best quarterback in the Pac-12. Well, if you want to go off stats, Gordon's the best quarterback. I'm not, I'm not I'm not talking about stats, man, because anybody can pat stats, all right? Because you want to talk about Gordon. Gordon also threw for like 900 <laughs> yards against UCLA, man. What did he throw for, nine touchdowns in that game? He threw nine touchdowns, yeah. Yeah, so, a, I mean, yeah, padding stats. That's great. Good for him. Good for Gordon. But if you look at Gordon against Justin Herbert, I'm an NFL prospect. I'm taking Herbert. Fuck Gordon, dude. He's not Gordon Minshew number two, all right? <laughs> If you want to talk about the top four quarterbacks in the Pac-12, Herbert's number one. I think I'm going to take Cortez number two, and I'm going to put Daniels. Or, yeah, Montez, thank you. Montez tied there for number two, and then I might put Huntley at at that number three, number four spot. Top quarterbacks in in the Pac-12, I don't know. Colorado is a good football team. You're leaving out another top quarterback, though. Who? KJ Costello. No, absolutely not. Absolutely the fuck not. All right, so we'll go on. We'll go. We'll go on to. to no, you're just talking crazy. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go on to uh, Colorado now that you've brought it up. Colorado is a team that came in this season not expecting to win more than I would say three games. Uh, <laughs> not. I mean, even two wins would have been a, a hell of a win with with a new coach with Mel Tucker. Um, LaVisca Chenault has been out. Uh, I think he was back in last game, but he was out for a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Best wide receiver in the Pac-12. I So this is this is a debate right here. So Isaiah Hodgins out of Oregon State statistically is better and is playing, I would say, on a worse team than Colorado. Yeah, but Chenault, I mean. Chenault is a hell. I Chenault think Chenault is, is the best all around. He's going to be a first round pick. He's he going to be a hell. He's going to be yeah. a first round Chenault, we're not trying to discredit Chenault by any means, but Chenault. Is an all all, he's just he's an all star. I ain't discrediting him at all, dude. Chenault's the best best but wide receiver in the Pac twelve. I think when it comes to Oregon State and Isaiah Hodgins, I think 
Isaiah Hodgins has a slight lead on Chenault with the best receiver in the Pac-12 just because he plays with the worst QB. Because you, I guarantee, if I didn't write that name down there, you wouldn't know who the hell it was. <laughs> well, the the problem. So what I see with Colorado is, is Colorado comes out and they win a smash mouth game against Nebraska. We go into overtime. They beat us 34-31 because we don't have a kicker. If we had a kicker that game, I think we beat Colorado. And I don't think there's a Colorado fan that that could disagree with me. If you're not a complete jackass, which I've met a lot of jackass Colorado fans. Uh, Colorado fans are pretty welcoming. We we actually live in Colorado, so please don't come find us. No, no, no. I'm, I'm a big fan of the state of Colorado. If uh, you're a fan of the University of Colorado, um, I live on Fort Carson. Come fight me. Um, but what I will say is is that Colorado has been an up-and-down seed because they win this smash-mouth game. 100%. They, they win this smash-mouth game against Nebraska, and they, they stretch out this win, and then they're nationally ranked. The very next week, they go up against Air Force and just lose in overtime. So, so I think you have two different. You you have kind of like a hot and cold. There is like you go hot and you win in overtime against Nebraska, one of your rivals, one of a, a historically rival school, a team that you tried to coach against with Cordell Stewart, and when you won that national championship, that you wanted to beat Nebraska, and then you beat them, and it's a big high for your university, and then you go up against Air Force. So to and to their credit, lose. Air Force was decided out of nowhere that they were going to be an all star passing team. Um, but out I think, of nowhere, dude, Air Force is always historically. So if you talk about the academies, Air Force, Army, Navy, Air Force has always been an air raid offense. That's why people go there. That's why they've had quarterbacks that have went there and then went to. Did the you NFL. watch that the highlights? though? that quarterback was looking pretty good. Yeah, I mean they they always do. They always have a good quarterback. We're not talking about Navy here. We're not talking about the triple option, dude. Air Force is an air raid offense. They're like a tech. They're like the Texas Tech of the academies. They're an air raid offense. So now we'll we'll go into to Montez, who's actually looked pretty good this year. On mm-hmm. he has looked amazing. He is, I would say, like we argued earlier, one of the top four quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, but we gotta give huge credit to Mel Tucker this year because he. Took on a dumpster, dumpster fire, fire of a team. Of yes. a team, uh, I think at one point I don't know if it's if it's changed. I haven't followed Colorado too closely, but they pretty much only had five defensive backs. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. So if one got injured, you're 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 going to pretty yeah. much a, a yeah, walk they, on. They have been depleted at the defensive back position because of, of transfers. Um, so I think Colorado is one of those feel-good stories for – I mean, if you, if you follow the Pac-12, uh, if you're a Big Ten fan, that you could follow and be like, wow, you know, this team's actually come up and is actually showing that they have some fight this year. Um, so now we'll get into the UCLA. <laughs> all right, Which has so, been absolutely terrible. All right, so UCLA, Chip Kelly comes over there, takes over this team. This is year two of the Chip Kelly experiment in UCLA. Um, man, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what we can say about them. I, so I, I, I think everybody, especially um, California fans, thought this Chip Kelly fire uh, hire, my bad, not fire, uh, was an all star hire. Fire. I don't think he's on the hot seat yet. I think uh, everybody thought it was an all star hire. Uh, that that. You know, year one, we'll give them some some time and see how it goes. But it has been 
just I don't think awful. It's it, this is an Oregon chip. I'm sorry, your offense worked in Oregon. The problem is, is your offense worked in Oregon because you had Marcus Mariota. So to, to, to go to that, Dorian he, Thompson is not Marcus Mariota. He is running a completely different offense though. The offense yeah. that worked at Oregon was an up tempo. He's running that Philadelphia but, Eagles offense. Is he's, what he's trying to. He's follow. running the offense, and. You know, I could be I, – I'm probably going to get some of these facts wrong. But when he was asked about why he isn't running this Oregon offense, he pretty much just laughed it off. So he's running a, a, a more slower, uh, kind of like the old school offense, which he didn't run in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And the reason why Oregon worked so well was he has Marcus Mariota, but it was because it was so fast-paced that defenses couldn't rest. Yeah. And you're just beating the crap out of them. That and he had Scott Frost. Let's not forget that. <laughs> All right. So enough about – I'm sorry. I'm not going to go into UCLA. UCLA is a dumpster fire. They've been a dumpster fire. Um, they're going to continue to be a dumpster fire until they find a coach that, I don't know, has the same passion. Because UCLA is a story program. I mean, UCLA has been historically good. They play in one of the most historic places besides the Coliseum, I would say. They – I mean, yeah, they play in the Rose Bowl. Exactly. Like, that should be easy UCLA, stuff to get that. You, I think if you're a UCLA fan, what you guys need to – what you need to root for and what you need to hope for is for a higher – like a Scott Frost. Because Nebraska and UCLA, I have always said this, and I will continue to say this, UCLA and Nebraska are kind of on the same level. We're not good. We are – So we're on the up and like, – we're down here, and you bring in Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly doesn't have the passion for UCLA. When you look at a Scott Frost for Nebraska, who won a national championship there, who has history with that university, who's an alumni, who grew up in the state of Nebraska, co- you know, parents coached at the University of Nebraska, you need to bring that passion into UCLA and somebody who's going to have the patience because they brought in Chip Kelly – to compete for the Pac-12 right away. We brought in Scott Frost to build so they, a national championship team. I'm going to agree with you, but I'm also going to argue with you for a little bit here. There's no reason why in Southern California, which produces some of the most highest-rated talent besides Texas and Florida, I would argue that California is probably the top one, but they're at your back door. Mm-hmm. And you're not recruiting anyone. Granted, you aren't winning games, so that's going to hurt you. But you can at least pick up some of these high three, even mid-four-star guys, to come in and help you. But his philosophy is this – I don't know if you've seen it, but they call it the eighth clap or something. It's something dumb like that. So pretty much on the eighth of every month, that's when they offer scholarships to people. And it's like this big day. It's it's the most – stupidest thing I think I've ever seen. I think I think the problem I see with UCLA and Chip Kelly, and not, not to cut you off, man, but the, the problem I see with UCLA is you're in Southern California, you're in Los Angeles, and you're right outside of Harlem where you're going to get these big recruits coming out. You have the talent right there. You have Chip Kelly, one of the most respected college coaches of all time and you can't bring in recruits what's the problem there what's the disconnect i don't know so chip, i have no idea chip kelly is 
historically not a good recruiter. I mean, he got the, one of the, I mean, I, 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 I would agree with you there. He got one of the arguably one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. So how, how much was that of his assistance though? And then him, because Chip Kelly, when he, they hired him, he was well known as not a great recruiter because he doesn't put all the time in it that a normal coach would, but he was respected as a great coach because he can win games. I mean, I'm not a great recruiter, but I feel like I could go to UCLA and get some good recruits because I'm in Los Angeles. Exactly. Those kids are – they are born and bred into UCLA, USC, and they pick a side. And so once you pick a side and you have that fandom, it should be very easy to kind of direct you and be like, hey, I'm Chip Kelly. This is what I did in Oregon. Come play for me. We can compete for national championships. He should be pulling in five stars. Has he pulled in a five star at UCLA? Honestly, I don't think so. Because um, uh, even hasn't. USC, he has not. Uh, has not. Pull, they didn't even pull in a five star last year, and they. I think this is the first year in like nineteen years that they didn't pull in one. Uh, I mean, so now with with USC, right? So USC hasn't pulled in five star recruits. Last year Where, was the first year. Yeah, so last season, first year, you guys pulled in five-star recruits. You guys are 3-3 three and three this season, all right? You guys are in the Pac-12, and I think we have both agreed, even though you are a USC diehard, you love the Pac-12, I think we have both agreed that even with the ACC included is in the bottom of the Power Five, where why is USC beating teams like Utah, but – they're going to lose to teams like Colorado. Where is, what you know, who's who's on tap for USC? Where where is so, USC going? So th- this boils down to a, a numerous amount of problems. And if you're a USC fan, you I'm going to be kind of beating a dead horse here. But it starts with the AD hire of Lin Swan. Mm-hmm. That is what kind of well Pat Hayden pretty much started it because he was god awful. And then Lin Swan was. Worse, if not just as bad. Uh, and after USC's first losing season since the 90s, I believe, Helton was retained. And the big thing they kept saying was they were going to do this. They, they did what Notre Dame did, where they kept the head coach, but they changed the staff. Um, but you look at the freaking staff, and only a few, a couple of positions were fired. But most of them were just swapped. Uh, you got Tim Drevno, who's the lineman coach, who should have been the lineman coach from the beginning, was working with running backs last year. And all he did was take over Neil Callaway's spot at the offensive line. Um, then you have uh, two changes, which I think have been the strongest point of this team, with the defensive backs and D-line. And Greg Burns and Coach, uh, Coach Chad Kig, I can't pronounce his last name, um, who have actually come in there and and taught the kids how to play football instead of just relying on talent like the head coach, Coach Helton, does. So if you if all you do is take away T. Martin, who I think was not a great coordinator, but you keep uh, pinned to, uh, Clancy and you keep freaking – retarded John Baxter on the staff with the same head coach, you're going to get the same results. And it shows they lost to a BYU team that had no – should have been nowhere near 
uh, USC in scoring and nonetheless beat them. Uh, you lose to a Washington team that looked pretty bad. Uh, and now you just lose to a Notre Dame team that did not look like it was a top 10 team by any means. It's just, it's, it's poor coaching leads to piss poor results. Uh, I think to, to get USC and the Pac-12 back on the map, you've got to get rid of Coach Helton, which he's a great guy, don't get me wrong, but he should never have had the job since he was never a head coach. And if you look at the people he learned from, Seven Win Sark, Steve Sarkeesian, and Lane Kiffin. Two dudes that got fired midway through the season were his, his mentors. All right, so you're calling for the head of, of, of your coach. I, I, so I, I, I think he should be fired, but I'm not one to, to go out there and make personal attacks against uh, the man or a head coach because that's his no, no, no. paycheck I mean, and his livelihood. Uh, hey, you're calling for his head. You say he's not right for the job. He's not. He's 100% not right okay. for the job. So, I mean, that's fine. Call for his head. I, I don't know. Is that dude in my living room? No. Fuck him. So, other than Urban Meyer, who is going to take the head coaching job at USC? Because so, I think that anybody who watches Fox College Football Saturday can agree Urban Meyer is a favorite to take the USC job uh, in 2020. But let's just say for argument's sake, Urban Meyer isn't going to take the job. Who takes the job at USC? So other there's, than Urban Meyer. There's been a lot of rumors, and it all boils down to who do they pick up as AD? Because um, interim Dave Roberts right now has already said that he is not going to uh, pick the next coach. It's not his job. It's not his position since he's the interim. It's the new AD's job to come in there and uh, pick the next head coach. Mm-hmm. So the strong – uh, likely chance the, the person they have the strongest chance of getting so far it seems like is the Washington State uh, AD uh, I believe his name is Patrick Chung who is actually an AD and actually a pretty damn good one uh, Ohio State alumni so you know where that leads to mm-hmm. but I already said Urban Meyer's off the table so I think with the uh the candidates that I've kind of seen tossed around, um, I've seen the Minnesota coach, uh, P.J. Fleck, tossed around. Uh, I've seen a couple other. Um, I, I haven't really seen too many other candidates. It's pretty much been full blast uh, Urban Meyer. So if they weren't to get Urban Meyer, I would say it'd be kind of like what USC could hope for would be like a uh, – a Pete Carroll type of hire where they get kind of the sixth choice on the list because no one really wants to come to it. Um, and that's, that's kind of how they, and they just get a, a, a jackpot of a, like a lottery pick out of a hire. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot, if, if you've been a USC fan for a long time, you know that when they picked Pete Carroll, there was a lot of backlash and a lot of people weren't, uh, didn't know who he was to begin with. And he turned out to be one of the greatest, uh, USC slash coaches of all time. Uh, so I, I think if they don't get Urban, it's going to be someone that is kind of like a wild card in a sense that they've hopefully done their research on 
and looked into, but I don't think a lot of fans would know who he is. Yeah. Um, you definitely don't want anyone that's on the staff right now by any means. No, uh, absolutely not. If Coach Helton gets fired during the season, I think the person that steps up, and I've said this since the beginning of the season before the season has started, would be Coach Jinx since he has head coach experience. Uh, Baxter is obviously the, the more senior, but I think – to finish the season now and just to get done with the season, you'd probably have uh, the running back coach, Mike Jinx, come in there and uh, finish the season out. But then again, USC's recruiting class is embarrassing right now. I think they're ranked like 62nd or 63rd in the nation, all because Clay Helton's future and not, not a lot of kids want to commit not knowing who their head coach is going to be. So I think I would hope that we hear an answer – soon on Helen's future but I'm not gonna put all my marbles into that basket right away because I think to save this class you you need to get rid of them and then you need to get that AD in as soon as possible because if it is Urban Meyer then you're gonna save this recruiting class and you have a a hell of a season for next year because you play Bama in the very first game yeah so I think uh we're about to get into this, but I think that if USC loses this uh, on Saturday to U of A, I think that's the end of Helton's career. So, and that, and this is the thing that's been absolutely crazy is Helton has been actually pretty good at home, mm-hmm. but just absolutely piss poor on the road. Um, yeah, and you guys are, you guys, you guys got Arizona at home, so I think I think Arizona would be a hard test for them. And it shouldn't be by any means, but I think the Arizona defense is yep. a lot better than people give it credit for. And after watching with how the, I I'm a personal advocate for the defense uh, because of how long they're on the field because this offense is supposed to be the next coming and they haven't done absolutely anything really. Um, but I think Khalil Tate, if he is free, is going to absolutely torch this freaking USC defense. It's like. Ian Book and uh, Notre Dame did. Okay. So, all right, let's go into predictions. All right, so we're going to head into week eight here in the Pac-12. First game we got on tap is a Thursday night game, 7 o'clock on ESPN. We have US UCLA versus Stanford. It's a coin toss game. Vegas is saying it's an even. Pick your, pick your poison. I got Stanford on that one. Got Stanford. See – so here's the thing. Here's the thing that we just talked about is Chip Kelly coming into this game, really need to prove recruits. He's one in five going up against a Stanford team who has looked shaky through the college football season. I personally, uh, man, this is a tough one. Stanford's at home. Playing UCLA, I'm gonna take Stanford, uh, but I'm 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 not taking Stanford by more than a field goal. Uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Stanford by by three. Uh, I don't know. I I hope I get proved wrong just for the sake of Chip Kelly. Uh, I like Chip Kelly. I like him as a coach. Second season in, one and five, not looking good. Next one on tap. I'm gonna take the lead on this one, man. ASU, Utah, Utah's at home. Vegas has this as a 13-and-a-half spread, Utah's favorite. The FPI 
has an 82.6% win on Utah, man. I'm going to take ASU. I'm going to take ASU outright. Not only to cover, but I'm taking them outright. I think ASU comes into that game. I think with a chip on their shoulder, their one loss, not good. I, I really think Herm Edwards steps up, coaches that team, gets them ready, brings them into, brings them into Utah, and I think they're ready for it. I think, I think, uh, I think Utah is going to win that game. Do you think ASU covers? I uh, that's a high spread for Herm Edwards' uh, team. Uh, touchdown or less, I think is what it's going to be. Okay, like I said, I, I really think. You know, we, we talked about this before. Uh, I think ASU, they're going to win the South. I think ASU is uh, a lot better than people think. So, I'm going to take that. Another, another thing with that game is Utah, like I said, probably has the best defensive line in the Pac-12. And Arizona State has had a pretty choppy offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, as we saw when Utah played USC – when the 300-plus pounder hits your QB and falls on him, it's not a fun game. Uh, okay. So. All right, so next one we got Oregon State. We got them going to Cal. Cal is an 11.5-point favorite. Who you got? Uh, I got Cal. Cal has the best defense in the Pac-12. Yeah, I got Cal. I got Cal covering as well. Cal is 11.5-point favorite. I got them winning by at least three touchdowns. The, the biggest thing with Cal, though, is – Offense. If they try to offense, now they've lost. Uh, now that they've lost Garbers, uh, it's going to be an ugly game for Cal. All right. Next game, we got Oregon going into Washington. Oregon is a two and a half point favorite. Who you got? I got Oregon. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game, like it says, because Herbert's numbers are so weird for some reason on the road. Um, but I think this Washington team is just – the offense is just not clicking like how it should. Um, and it should be pretty interesting. I got Oregon big. Uh, I think that not only do they cover, but I think they move a decimal point on it. I think they win by three touchdowns. Um, Justin Herbert, he's taking care of the football all season. He has one interception. I think uh, – I think Oregon goes in and I think they embarrass Washington. Um, I, like I said, I got Oregon moving a decimal point on that. I think they win by 25. I don't know. I'm that high. Yeah. So we got Colorado going to Washington State. A couple of uh, 500 teams, but a Saturday night game. Washington State's favored by 13 and a half. Who you got? Uh, so I'm going to go Washington State on this. Just because I don't have full faith in the Colorado defense, uh, and Mike Leach will run will run the score up pretty easily, but Washington State's defense has looked pretty all right. I wouldn't say good. Uh, I would say pretty much average, if not bad. Um, so it's going to be pretty. I I would say Washington State's going to win that. All right. Yeah, I, I'm going to take Washington State on that. I think Colorado covers, but I think Washington State wins the game outright. I think they win by ten. All right, next game, um, we got Arizona going to the Coliseum, playing USC. Uh, I already know how you're going to call this one. You're going to call USC winning this game. Yeah. 
uh, myself, I'm going to call USC winning, but they're not going to win by the eight and a half cover. Uh, I think Arizona wins, or USC wins by three. I think Arizona covers. So if you're going to bet on the game, and you believe me more than Brennan, uh, take the money on Arizona. All right. So we got that. We got that all covered. Um, let's talk about the college football playoff picture. So rankings on the color or the coaches poll were released. Um, in respect, we got Bama, LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State making the top four. And then the next three. This is going to make me happy. Uh, probably not Brendan happy, but we got the Big Ten rounding out the bottom in Wisconsin and Penn State, and we got Oklahoma there lurking at the number five spot. So let's talk about Bama's win. Bama beat a decent Texas A&M team. Uh, so they're obviously going to keep the number one spot. LSU wins. Clemson. LSU didn't win. They dominated that game. <laughs> yeah. Clemson. Clemson's looking like Clemson. They're in the ACC. I mean, they're, they're winning, but they're pulling away late is what I'm seeing from Clemson this year, aside from the North Carolina game. Like, they're, 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 they're beating teams, but they're pulling away there at the end. And Ohio State dominating anybody that they look at. Yeah, anyone that comes there is just going to get – Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think the top four is – Top four is going to stay top four until Bama and LSU play each other, and then the loser will just get knocked out. And then you're looking at Oklahoma sneaking in because I don't think anybody in the Big 12, I think the only person that was going to – the only team that was going to attend with them was Texas. Texas. And they got tested by Kansas right before this uh, this Texas or this Texas game. And, I mean, they came out victorious. They pulled away late there in the, in the second half. Um, so I think – the top five is right where it needs to be, but do you think Wisconsin and Penn State have any business being in that six and seven spot? Uh, I think Wisconsin does. Uh, I know yeah, this is probably don't, don't forget you picked Penn yeah, State to win the Big sound, Ten. This is gonna sound there's pretty two weird. teams in the Big Ten above them. Yeah, I know this is gonna sound pretty weird, but uh, I think after Penn State plays Ohio State, you get a, a definitely you'll obviously get a more clear picture of what their path is, but I think. Until they play some uh, Ohio State, uh, they deserve to be in the top ten without a doubt. But I think that the ranking should be adjusted a little bit. I think LSU this year is probably gonna be better than Bama. Yeah, and I didn't pick that. I picked Georgia to be to win the SEC. Yeah, Georgia. Georgia, I think, is definitely the surprise of the SEC, but in a bad way. Yeah. Because when we talk about surprises in the SEC, we're thinking about teams that could compete with Bama. And I think it's pretty clear in the SEC it's a two-horse race. Because LSU, you know, Burrow has looked lights out. And that's the, that's, that's the one thing this LSU, LSU offense has lacked is an actually yeah, solid a good quarterback. quarterback. And you know, you know why I have a, a bone to pick there is Burrow, his dad, and his two brothers. Guess where they played? Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah, they, they all played at the University of Nebraska. And when Burrow was in high school, guess who didn't recruit him? Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah, we didn't recruit him. We took Adrian Martinez. So that's that's a fun little fight that we got to play. Anyway, uh, so, I mean, a lot of Big Ten representation there. 
uh, in the top four, which makes me happy and which definitely confirms my statement. This is the first time you guys are going to hear this. Uh, definitely uh, add us at Twitter or send us an email if you think I'm wrong that the Big Ten is better than the SEC. That is a statement that I think me and Brennan both agree on is that the Big Ten is a more complete conference than the SEC. Um, so good representation there. I think at the end of the season, uh, let's just put this prediction out there. I'm going to write it down so we can revisit it once we get to that point on uh, the college football playoff um, on what our predictions are for – the college football playoff. So when we were out in the field, all right, so a little bit of background, uh, just really quick. We're, we're both in the Army. Uh, we were out in the field, bored as shit, sitting in a Humvee, and we came up with our college football playoff for this year. Mine was Alabama, Texas. Clemson. Clemson, and I can't remember. It was God it. help me, Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was my, that was my college football playoff, um, and so midway through the season, my college football playoff that I'm going to sit there is Bama. I I don't think LSU. I think LSU is there. I think that they are definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with, but I don't think they're going to compete with Bama there in Georgia on that field for the SEC championship. I think Bama comes out on top. I think Tua Tagliova has another career-defining performance. So I'm going to take Bama, Clemson, because who the fuck is going to beat Clemson? I mean, look yeah, at the rest ACC of their schedule. Is super yeah, they're, they're garbage. Uh, so I'm going to take Bama. I'm going to take Clemson. Um, Oklahoma, they've already faced their biggest test on the season. Um, so they're going to play in the Big 12 championship game. Uh, I, I just don't see anybody playing them. Is there a Big Twelve Championship game anymore? I think they got rid of it, didn't they? I honestly don't know. I don't. I honestly have not followed the Big Twelve in. I mean, a I long time. I haven't followed them since two thousand fucking nine when we left. Uh, fuck you, Texas. I'm pretty sure there is. Yeah, I don't see why there wouldn't be. So I got Bama, I got Clemson, I got Oklahoma. Yeah, there is because they, they they play the Oklahoma and Texas probably got to play again. Yep, I'm taking Ohio State and. Uh, that's who my, my my four is, and I'm going to turn it. Brandon, what do you got? What are your four? It's breaking news. I got LSU because I think they're going to beat Bama. I think Bama has a lot of talent, so it's going to be a shootout kind of like the Texas game was. Um, I got LSU, Clemson, Penn State, and Oklahoma. Okay. So only reason I'm sticking to Penn State is because I picked them to win the Big Ten, and I don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah, LSU, so. Clemson, Penn State, and Oklahoma. Yeah, because okay. like we said, Clemson has, unless it's a huge upset, has no one on that roster that's, or no one on that schedule that's going to beat them because ACC is probably just about as weak as the Pac-12, if not. Okay, so going into my predictions here, I'm going to take Bama as number one. Um, I think I think Bama takes number one. And I think it's just because they're the number one team in the nation. They don't have anybody to challenge them. 
in the SEC other than LSU, and I think that they handle LSU, just like I said before, as the number one pick. Uh, as the number four team in the college football playoff, I'm going to take Oklahoma just because I don't think the voters in the college football playoff have respect for the Big 12, um, as shitty as that is. Uh, I just think that that's kind of a perception. So Oklahoma is going to have something to prove. And that just leaves me with uh, we got Clemson as a number two seed and Ohio State as the number three seed. So going there, Bama, Oklahoma, I'm going to take a shocker here. I think Oklahoma shocks them. I think that team, that Oklahoma team, I've watched the Red River shootout when they play Texas, and they just look like a complete team. Um, I think that they beat Bama. I don't think Tua Tagliova is everything we thought he was. I, I think, think he's everything we thought it was, but I think you're seeing an Oklahoma team that actually has a defense, yeah. and it's a pack or not a pack, a Big Twelve team that has a defense is scary because yeah. the Big Twelve is just all about running the score up and yeah. So I I mean to get any kind of respect in the Big Twelve, you have to run the score up. So yeah. I think Oklahoma beats them. I think it's the first uh, the four seed to win that I'm picking. Uh, Clemson, Ohio State, as much as. Uh, I, I'm a Big 12 or Big 10 fan. I think Trevor Lawrence, he kind of is just kind of walking through the uh, ACC. He kind of caught napping there against North Carolina. I, I'm, I'm going to take Clemson. Uh, Clemson beats Ohio State on neutral field. And we got Oklahoma and Clemson national championship game, and I'm going to take Clemson to go back-to-back. I think that kind of mirrors what my prediction was out there in the field. Um, yeah, other than I, Nebraska. Yeah, other than <laughs> Nebraska, yeah. Fuck Ohio State really <laughs> fucked up my bracket. <laughs> so um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go because um, SEC always gets the first bid because that's just how ESPN works in college football playoffs. Uh, so I got LSU number one. Um. Number two, I got Clemson. Uh, number three, Oklahoma. And then number four, I got Penn State. Um, with that, I'm pretty sure you can kind of see how this bracket's going to go. Uh, LSU is going to beat um, Oklahoma in my sense. And then Clemson's going to beat uh, Penn State. And then... Between that, you're probably going to have, uh, I would say, LSU win the national championship. Probably going to eat my own words. Um, I usually like to kind of pick outside the box. So if you're trying to bet some money on this, don't uh, don't take my word to the bank. But I think uh, this LSU team is something special this year and is looking pretty, pretty damn good. Um, I think against Oklahoma, it's going to be a pretty big shootout. But I think they can handle the shootout like they did against Texas. And then you got Clemson and Penn State. And Clemson's Clemson now. And they're make, they've are they made a name for themselves. And they're continuing to make a name for themselves. So they're going to be good. And uh, so, yeah. So my pick to win the, Nash, or the uh, college football playoff would be LSU. Geox Tigers, I think is how that's pronounced. I'm a symbol. Eh, whatever, dude. It's G E A U X. That is not go. All right. 
All right, so Clemson, LSU, those are our picks. Um, so lock it in. We wrote it down. We'll revisit it after uh, national championship game and see who was right and why Brennan was wrong. So if you uh, – to end the, this show because of my uh... – So one more thing. Actually, before you end this show, all right, I, I want to do one more thing, and we'll go from there. We'll start with USC. When your season ends, all right, when when your team hangs up your pads and your helmets, whether it's at a bowl game or whether it's that last game against UCLA, what defines a success and what defines a failure here at the midpoint? Looking at where your team's at, what is a success for your football team? So from here to the end of the season? From from overall, from so we're sitting at the halfway point. You guys are three and three. When you guys are done with the season, how do you define a successful season against at this point in your season would be a failure? So what So they've they've already lost the successful season. The successful season is, is a college football playoff. Is that where USC is at though? Is it's is not. USC... That's why I said they already lost it. No, no, so, no. So you know, going into the season, like me, being a Husker fan, knowing where my program is at, knowing where Nebraska is at, I knew that college football playoff wasn't in the picture. See, and I that, knew that a Big Ten championship wasn't in the picture. And that's that's the difference between USC fans, though, is we they made all these changes, but it boils down to what does the administrative at the time, because now we have a new president and we have a new we should have a new AD coming in. Uh, what do they define as success? Because before they defined winning the South in a Pac-12 championship as success. Don't get me wrong. Nebraska, we, we're the fifth program to ever reach 900 wins. We have five national no, championships. No, I, I, I get that. but We are a successful program. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is, is going into this season, going into the 2019 college football season, we knew, everybody knew, if you were not, a diehard Husker fan, if you were not a, we can beat Ohio State. There is not a person on this planet that wasn't a Husker fan thought Nebraska could beat Ohio State. There isn't a single person. If you are one of those people, please message me because I would love to talk to you because you seem like my type of person. But there is not a single person that thought we could beat Ohio State. There's not a single person that thinks we can beat Wisconsin. So that's the difference, though, is USC fans, after going five and seven. We're also talking you, about two different conferences, too. Like, yeah, so, I, I so, will say that. So Pac-12, Nebraska, we'd run the table in the Pac-12. I don't think you would run the uh, table. We would 100%. You lost to a Colorado table. team. You're not going to tell me you run the, run the table. Colorado is arguably one of the worst teams in the Pac-12 right now. Oh, my God. Okay. I doubt we you had a kicker, we were winning that game. I doubt, you barely, I doubt you'd beat game. Oregon State. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? No, dude. And that's not even the worst team. Oregon State. But no, so USC fans came into the season with the expectations of going 10 and 2 or 11 and 1. Okay, so at 100%. the halfway point, okay, so at the halfway point, you guys are 3 and 3 moving forward the last 6 games of the season in a possible, I'm going to say possible bowl game. What's the success? To be honest with you, yeah. play hell and being fired. Okay. So that's Clay- that. That's the, the that's the beginning of the success. That's step number one. Um, I'm not gonna say bringing in Urban Meyer is step number two, but 
Number two is bring in AD that knows what they're doing and will clean house with this athletic department that is at USC. That is absolutely embarrassing the, the university. Uh, and then number three is you hope you win the Pac-12, but at this point, with like, like we talked about earlier with ASU, Arizona, uh, and the rest of the South is so m- mediocre that you don't know if you'd even have a chance. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing is that USC came into the season with the fourth-ranked talent roster. And that gets based upon the mm-hmm. stars and everything like that. So there was no reason why we come into this season, because we've been ranked in the top four each year pretty much, the last couple of years pretty much, why we come into this season and we don't go 10-2 and two or 11-1 against the Pac-12. Yeah. The reason why the Pac-12 is so weak right now is because USC is not great. When USC is great, the Pac-12 gets respect and teams start winning because they, they realize USC is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I think that's any team in the Pac-12 because, I mean, you guys were getting respect when Oregon – was good. Yep. So there's actually it's kind of a long long rant. So I'm gonna set it down. So Oregon was never a a, a a real world renowned like program. USC has been a renowned since the beginning of time with their program. It's just a matter of finding coaches that can actually coach in LA, handle all that, and actually coach the talent to what they need. Mm-hmm. USC used to be like the Wisconsin where they would pound the ball and throw the ball over you. And that's just how they win because they knew they were better than you. So you're going to come to their house, they're going to go to your house, and they're going to absolutely destroy you. USC went to this air raid this year, and it just looks embarrassing. It's 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 not USC's identity, and it's, it's showing pretty fast. Yeah. So I think f- step one is firing Clay Helton. Step two is you get a winning record. Because uh, you go back to back with losing records, you, you're gonna look embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, and step three is you get someone in there that can save this recruiting class and keep the talent that is in Southern California. In Southern California, uh, you ask, you watch a lot of videos on the alumni or insiders, and they'll tell you that USC has lost a stronghold in California that it used to have under the Pete Carroll days. Yeah, and. Kind of hit on your last point that saving the recruiting class, you guys are already losing that battle. I mean, you we were guys losing have, it really bad. You, your top recruit just transferred out, you know, and he's he's out there and he's back on the market. And yeah, he's committed to Alabama. So what he's talking about is Bryce Young, who's committed to Alabama. Um, yeah. We still have a a four star receiver committed, but it's it's not anything to. I mean, I I I would never talk down to kids by any means. I I, I these kids are doing more than I think I could ever do in my freaking athletic athletic life um but the kids that usc brings in normally are these high four five-star guys um last year they kind of saved themselves by bringing in uh uh by bringing in chris Steele and brew mccoy out of the transfer portal which one of them transferred to texas from usc and then transferred back so he's not even eligible this year but the other one's actually been doing pretty good uh, and that's how they kind of save themselves. But it's it's just a matter of finding a coach who could uh, bring themselves in and actually recruit in Southern California and keep the stronghold on Southern California, California, and the West Coast to make USC great again and put Pac-12 back on the map and make these conference relevant again. Uh, so you asked me what, what 
define success, and I'm sure ours is going to be a little different because Nebraska is loyal to Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. Uh, what defines success from this point to the end of the season for you guys? So, us sitting at four and two or four and three, I think flipping the record of last year. Uh, last year we were sitting at four and eight. The year before that, we were four and eight. Uh, I think flipping the record would be a monumental success because us sitting at eight and four means that we beat either Wisconsin or Iowa and us beating Wisconsin or Iowa means we're on the up and up. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I think we finished the season at seven and five. I think we win every single game from here on out other than Wisconsin and Iowa. Uh, We'll sit at seven and five and we'll go play uh, some fucking slack division two bowl. And the Cheez-It Bowl. Yeah, the <laughs> Cheez-It Bowl and beat the ever-loving shit out of, like, Cal or somebody. So don't don't count Cal out because Cal went to the SEC and beat an Ole Miss team. Yeah, well. Now, they may, not be the, they may not be the greatest team, but the SEC is God's gift to the freaking earth for some reason. And yeah, for some reason. Yeah. A terrible offense Cal went in there and beat them. I think flipping the record to 8-4 and four is a monumental success. I think 8-4 and four is the absolute ceiling for this team. Nine and three, I don't think is obtainable. I think if we beat Wisconsin, we lose to Iowa. I think you have a better chance of being Iowa than you do Wisconsin. I think if we're talking prediction, I think we beat Iowa. Um, So if we beat Wisconsin and we beat Iowa, uh, I think we're through the roof. I think we're looking at national. Let's not go too high now. (laughs) I think we're we're looking at winning the Big Ten next year or national championship. (laughs) uh, Flip the record, eight and four. Land a five-star recruit, I think, is a big win for this recruiting class. You guys, you guys have, have offered quite a bit of them. I mean, obviously, you're going to. It's a five-star yeah, recruit. Yeah, you're going to offer them, but it's just the it, problem is. So this recruit that we just got, uh, this linebacker from Georgia, um, actually, I, I forgot his name. Let me look it up real quick. It is. Let me go through the stats. <laughs> uh, Marquise Black, the four-star, and the reason it he committed to Nebraska is he came to the Ohio state game, came to the Ohio state game, saw the pageantry, saw everything and saw us get us absolutely ass ripped by Ohio state, but then talked about the tradition. Like we, we actually had a talk before we started recruiting or recording about the tradition that we started this year with, with the cell phone lights and you know, the big red light going into the fourth quarter in Lincoln and he actually said that was what, what caught him, was that we were getting butt-raped. Uh, I think it was 41-7 to 7 at that point. And, you know, the fans were still there, you know, at 90,000 strong. And that's what got him to stay. So if we can get some five-star recruits, which we have some big visits on the Wisconsin weekend, um, if we can get some recruits to, to kind of – a five-star recruit to be like, yeah, I want to play for Nebraska – that's a big win for me, and then a bowl win. I, I think if we win our bowl game, uh, that would be a huge win for us that we'll actually look at this season as a, as a success, even though we lost to Colorado and Ohio State and more than likely Wisconsin and Iowa. So I, I would say that the five-star recruit will probably come not this year but next year. Um, unless you get an offensive lineman or – Someone along the lines of that. So something that that's gonna be in the Midwest bread. Yeah. Uh, just for the fact you got you guys have a great coaching staff, uh, but you just aren't 
winning the games that these these kids want to see. Yeah, so and that's 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 the USC's problem right now, along with the Clay Hill. And it's just these these kids are expecting, you know, the, they want to go to a program that wins because mm-hmm. they want to, you know, when you leave there, you want to be like, well, I was a national champion and I got into the NFL because of it. And I think that's that's the biggest problem right now with a lot of the a lot of the schools that aren't Clemson, Alabama, or Georgia or LSU. Yeah. And it's kind of sad to talk about LSU because the coach Origin or Origin, who should have been hired by USC, but wasn't. Um, but they see these programs and they see them winning, and that's where they want to go to. Uh, USC has kind of just been relying on uh, just the pageantry and the uh, the names that have come out of there. Um, if you want to talk about Nebraska, yeah, I I just. Going with Nebraska, I I just we're not there yet. Uh, Husker fans, if you're out there and you're listening, um, I just want to say this: believe, trust the process. Um, a la the Philadelphia 76ers, trust the process, trust Coach Frost. Because last thing that I want to say before I close this out is if we run Scott Frost out of Lincoln and we fire him. Oh, you ain't getting no one else. Exactly. You know, we're not in the in the situation that a USC is. That if we fire Helton, that we can, that they can fall back on like an Urban Meyer or somebody. We fire Scott Frost and Scott Frost, who is the golden boy. He is the guy who brought a national championship to Lincoln. He was a quarterback. He's born and bred in the state of Nebraska. We run him out. Who the fuck is going to come to Lincoln to coach? Nobody. Absolutely nobody. We fired Frank Solich, who was a Nebraska boy, because he couldn't win the national title. Lost in 2001 to Miami. We ran Bill Callahan, who was coming off a Super Bowl two years prior. We fired him to bring in Bo Pelini, who Bo Pelini would win nine, ten games a season, but couldn't win the big game. Would get blown out by Wisconsin, but then kicked the ever-loving shit out of Purdue. <laughs> Fired him to bring in Mike Riley, who would coddle fucking people. Mike Riley, a career 500 coach, and guess what? He went 500 at Nebraska, (laughs) believe it or not. And then we hire Scott Frost. You run Scott Frost out of Lincoln, you might as well, if you're a Husker fan, give it up. Go be an Iowa fan. Go be Iowa State. Go be K-State. Because Nebraska ain't going to be shit if we run Scott Frost out. So that's all I'm going to say. Trust the process. It's going to be a tough five, six, seven years where we're right on the cusp, but we, we'll lose a, a big game to Wisconsin or Ohio State, and we'll be sitting here in this podcast again talking about is Nebraska back, is Nebraska not back. I think if we're talking between our two teams, Brennan, I think USC is closer than Nebraska because – USC is a big coach and one big recruit away from winning the Pac-12. It's, I wouldn't even say it's a recruit. I would just say it's a big coach away. Yeah. You give I, you give up someone in there that can coach. That team already has all the talent it oh, needs, absolutely. and and it's and the most of them are you know the younger dudes, the sophomores and below. Like the D line, there's only one senior on there. The rest of them are sophomores and freshmen. You get someone in there that can coach. These these kids are gonna be something special in two years, if they stay that long. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, like I said, USC, you guys are are a big coach away. 
you guys have the talent. You guys have the roster. Um, so look for big things to come from USC. Hey, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we'll be here every week. We're going to – moving forward, this one was kind of longer because we're, we're trying to cover the back half and kind of cover the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Yeah. Uh, moving forward, we're going to be covering more of our team, uh, kind of touching in on our conferences. Yeah, we'll, we'll recap uh, every week the games that were played, um, mm-hmm. just a kind of a quick thing, and then we'll kind of look forward and do the predictions like we just did, uh, maybe go a little bit in depth if it's a bigger game. Um, but yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at any given su- Saturday. Uh, it's, it's a late night. Any given Saturday CFB, or you can email us at any given Saturday CFB at gmail.com uh, with any questions that you have. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys, and we appreciate you guys listening. Yep, and you guys can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, listen to us, um, share it with your friends, and we guys hope you have a good night. God bless.